Well, congratulations, Caleb. Uh, you're currently ready, getting ready to send out the first uh, backer rewards, obviously, the little uh, playtest packet for everybody. Oh, yeah. What was that problem you had with my encounter list? Um, I was noticing some unusual tropes for a post-apocalyptic game. Uh, the being chased by uh, angry printers who all wanting to... Uh, uh, have their books printed with you? You know, doesn't everybody them? have that problem? Uh, <laughs> and, and then the the artist contract negotiation. You know, uh, <laughs> I know there's a lot of negotiation in the game, but uh, negotiating our freelancer art rates. I, I don't think that's a quite red markets, or is it? I don't know. Print on demand uh, printing is yeah. a huge thing in the Lost. Oh, the, the one industry that survived. <laughs> the one industry that survived. <laughs> uh, so yeah, in this episode of Game Designers Workshop, uh, we're going to be doing a post boredom of the Kickstarter for Red Markets. Ooh, stay tuned. All right, so... Uh, how you doing, Caleb? How you holding up? I am doing well. <laughs> well. To uh, say anything else at this point would be offensive. Uh, uh, I'm yeah. doing great. Yeah. 1,448 backers. Over $72,000 raised. Uh, 72,268. Not that I've <laughs> tattooed that on my flesh or anything. Uh, yeah. 601% funded. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I knew it was going to do exactly that well. I had a bet going. Uh, <laughs> you should have convinced me. <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to have a surprise in there. You know? okay. I feel it's more of a dramatic arc. You know? Yeah. Um, so... Now that we have uh, the Kickstarter done, uh, now there's the this minor problem of you know, uh, or not a problem, but you know, task of fulfilling it. So yes, and uh, a lot of you wonderful. Well, first off, I should just say thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you to everyone, uh, and thank you again. Uh, th- this was amazing, yeah. maybe the most single gratifying experience <laughs> in my life, uh, and wow, thank yeah. you so much. Um, Secondly, uh, a lot of backers have been requesting since, you know, we've been uh, GDWing, open sourcing this whole process to, yeah. you know, they want to see the inside baseball of Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're just kind of going to unpack it now that the whole thing's there and you yeah. don't have to listen to us plan and promote it. You can just talk about the, the numbers and yeah. you can look them up on KickTrack and all stuff like what, that. What went right, what you learned, that yes. kind of thing. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just uh, – and when we're recording this, we're still uh, – right now the money's being processed uh, by Kickstarter and the credit card company. So, uh, Yeah, we're looking like probably a week and a half still until all yeah. the money clears and we can upload the preview APs and the the uh, backer preview and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, which we're polishing up right now. You know, yes. Finishing off. Uh, so, um, yeah, let's, I guess, start with the beginning. Uh, you launched – what was it, May 22nd? Uh, it was the 23rd, I believe. 23rd, 23rd. Uh, at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Why that time? Um, well, uh, there's a lot of theory around Kickstarter. Um, so a lot of people say that the weekend doldrums are, uh, not so much, uh, amount of like people going out and being active. Mm -hmm. It's just that, uh, they, the theory is that a lot of people back Kickstarters when they're, uh, dicking around the internet at work. Yeah. Um, and so 
starting one at 9 a.m. was basically you're at work and at your computer by then. Yeah. So when it closes around 9 a.m., you can get the last-minute stuff. And then you also have a full day of people digging around on their computers in the first day. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I started on weekday at 9 a.m., so it would end about that. I probably should have waited until later in the day and well, you, a couple you, more I mean, hours. This, but uh, I just was too nervous and I wanted to get it. Started. Well, the thing also about Kickstarter is you can change. It's not exactly 30 days. They give you like, you can set the exact start and time. So it could be 31 days. It could be 30 days and a couple hours. Yeah. So you could have done it at like 9 PM that Monday. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or up to 60 days or whatever. So there's a lot of theory crafting about that. I know when I did base Raiders, I had it in, uh, I think on a Sunday night. So like everybody was there and that was the last time. So like, when they're checking their email before they go to sleep or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so there's, I think that's gone back and forth about like what the best time is. Uh, yeah, I kept a exactly 30-day thing probably just out of superstition because yeah. I haven't seen any hard numbers on that. I mean, they say that it's more likely to succeed at 30 days, Yeah. but I haven't seen any hard numbers about like the bigger drop for a 31-day month or uh, right. 30 in one hour. I know the 60-day campaigns are a bad idea in general. It seems yes. like, yeah. Yes, very much so. Uh, uh, because there's no momentum. There's no... But, like, I was, you know, I was, do I do 29 or and no. or do I do a 28 and then on a Sunday or do I do a... Th- and so, like, I've tinkered with that, but yeah. Superstition went out and I did 30. I think uh, you <laughs> might... You Well, you should look at the calendar, too, if you're going to do that, because you should be aware of holidays. Uh, so if you're... If it, it would end, like, say, on... St. Patty's Day, you might want to, you know, St. Patrick's Day or something like that. You might push it in a, a couple of days to let people, you know, re- recover from their hangovers or whatever. Well, uh, it, indeed, or, yeah, so. indeed, and it's like a really, uh, we talked about this in the previous episode, yeah. but like, you know, we were on the butt end of when traditional yeah. wisdom says you should launch a Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, because launching in uh, summer, in June, yeah. it's in summer's harder. Uh, because you're losing uh, college kids digging around on their computers, conventional yeah. wisdom. Um, and then in June and July, especially in the gaming space, people are gearing up towards you know, Nerd Christmas, which is Gen Con. Um, yeah. And they're your alpha nerds that are like back in the Well, yeah, summer is con season in general. So yeah, like, exactly. There's, yeah, there's yeah. Origins, Dragon Con, Comic Con, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so I didn't want to go too long or wait too much longer because. Uh, yeah. I think it drops from like eighty to ninety percent of gaming Kickstarters get funded mm-hmm. uh, if they launch in uh, May, like we did. Yeah, and then as you get to the end of May and end of June, we drop down to like seventy, then forty, then down to thirty in the August range and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's it's only worse right before Christmas. Uh, so. Yeah, one thing is also these numbers are like for right now this period of time so if you're listening to this a year from now like in 2017 or 2018 you might like go to kick track and other websites to find out how because kickstarter trends seem to change quite a bit even when i when i did base raiders in 2014 or 2013 you know uh like things were different so like things are changing and there's some stuff that's like super atypical even in this campaign like really weird uh, stuff that happened statistically um, so yeah, uh, so yeah, so keep all that in mind. Uh, every campaign is unique. Uh, certainly, Red Markets was very unique in the amount of lead up work you did to it. Yes, 
<laughs> so, uh, but I, of course, that was partially out- outweighed because of the fact that it was a new intellectual property, you know, a new brand. It wasn't like, hey, here's a game from the 80s we're rebooting for now. So, which is the kind of, or 90s, which is kind of the trend. Um, so, yeah, it launched, uh, it, it, it jumped up very quickly uh, in the first day. Uh, and that must have been pretty gratifying. Uh, yes. So, we got completely funded with the $12,000 in uh, two hours and 19 minutes. Yeah. And uh, we made over $20,000 in the first day alone. And considering that's not a full 24 hours, yeah, that's pretty huge. Because, um, you know, you have international backers. You're basically making money while you sleep on Kickstarter Yeah, uh, nowadays. So that was enormous. Um, the biggest thing is that there's an algorithm on Kickstarter for projects we love. Gives you a little heart next to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when you get 70% of your funding within the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since we got funded within two hours and 19 minutes, we got that uh, literally an hour into the process. So what happens when you go to Project We Love is that when people click on your area, so in our case, tabletop games, um, you're not first Category. necessarily because then it goes by like how much money you've made. Yeah, uh, They go for the bigger ones higher most of the time. Yeah, But um, they, you're, they, you're on the browse page. Like, yeah. the, I haven't checked Kickstarter in a little while. What's on there? Yeah. And that is enormous. We got a lot of traffic just from like the Discover um, yeah, Kickstarter uh, in the in their browsing category pages, they have different ways to sort projects, and their their default one is Byte Magic, which is their own algorithm. Because I know the Kickstarter people, they do a lot of work on trying to get Kickstarter backers to not be the type of person that goes and backs one project and never backs anything again. Yeah, they want people to become fans of Kickstarter, the platform, and try and build traffic from within Kickstarter itself. So they're trying to get people hype. About things, so I know the majority of people backing red markets are probably RPPR listeners, but a, a sizable percentage are probably people who uh, are just founded through Kickstarter, and so that the, Kickstarter wants you to make money. Like, you yeah, know, they get their cut. They, remember, they only you know uh, they're on your side. Yeah, yeah, they're on your side. They only get to they eat what they hunt. You know, yeah. essentially. Uh, so. Uh, so yeah, the algorithm does pull from like previous stuff you've backed. Yeah, things like that. But here's the thing: if you get the project we love, you show up in the "This is the first time I've ever been to Kickstarter, but I wanted to look at Tabletop Games" page. Yeah, you also show up in uh, local area stuff faster. Yeah. Uh, so I think I jumped to the top of Springfield really quick. Yeah, uh, Missouri area, and then um, I think you're the fourth largest, uh, third or fourth largest. Uh, you know, no fourth largest project in uh, Springfield, Missouri history. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and then, in addition to that, when you are like primed for the algorithm for tabletop games, Project We Love stuff jumps it up even higher in the algorithm yeah. for what you're going to see. So um, that was really huge, and you know, RPPR fans made that happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, in addition to all the other help and support they've given it, like backing so hard, so fast there, that's what you know starts the train rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we cleared. 20,000 in the first day. So that was three additional stretch goals by the time I went to bed that night, um, which is crazy. So, like, uh, I don't know if I announced this during the pre Kickstarter episode, but like, we were talking about like dream just the right amount, but you yeah. never have as many stretch goals as you're supposed to do. So, like, I anticipated 20,000 by the end of the month. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the number we were talking about yeah. behind the scenes. Uh, but like when we did the planning stuff and then we replanned and re- replanned, 
um, I had stretch goals up until the color run, which was 52K. Right. Uh, which I never, ever in my wildest dreams <laughs> anticipated making. Like the color run used to be way higher up in the stretch goals. We were going to do it around the 20 something, and it would have been really sparse and yeah. really hard to print. And, you know, I, you know, I got the, I, we talked to some people about it. And they were just like, you're really risking yourself because, like, you know, you don't have a lot of leeway with this and right. that kind of stuff. Uh, so we pushed it way back. And I, I, that was the hardest decision I've made in the process so far because I really just thought you're kissing the big hardcover color book you want goodbye. Um, and then we hit that and kept going. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, always plan like an absurd optimist when you're writing stretch goals. Like, yeah. Like, plan for it to blow up beyond your wildest dreams because it definitely did that. It, it can. It can. Uh, it can, and it doesn't happen all the time, but like, I would have been so screwed if we planned up to like 20,000 and there was nothing right. left after that. The right. fact that we had artists and writers and everybody standing by ready to do stretch goals. We already had briefs and outlines written for them and the art ready to go. Like you can be like, Oh, well we hit that one. Here's another one. Uh, and that really helps when you're, you know, pumping out updates every couple of days and stuff. Yeah, like that. definitely. Uh, I think, um, I mean, the thing about planning for stretch goals is obviously it's good to be wildly optimistic in terms of that, but that doesn't mean you should be any less rigorous in terms of budgeting them. Like, don't be like, oh, if we get 5,000% more, or, you know, 500% more, then we'll do, uh, we'll make a video game out of it. Like, you know, or something unrelated. No, no. Or, or we'll have matchbooks for our uh, box set, you know, or something like that. And, and that's the weird space. Like, Kickstarter is, and we talked about, you know, for yeah. the soul of Kickstarter, it is the sophisticated pre-order system, but it has these roots and like this very charitable yeah. art patronage background. And like, it's still that. So like you have this weird mindset where you have to be insanely pessimistic where you're like, okay, what if the United States postal system fails? Like, <laughs> uh, like you have to think about like real outlier problems and budget for them and be like a super pessimist about everything like so you don't you don't budget like oh here's the art budget what if it's five hundred dollars more yeah you have to be like oh here's the art budget what if every picture i've been quoted ends up being two hundred dollars more yeah uh, and you have to go across the board over budget to plan for things that go wrong like I don't know, two consecutive tornadoes wiping out the prototype for your figurine, Chachki. <laughs> Not that that's ever happened for me. <laughs> well, that's absurd. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, you've, you've got to do that. But at the same time, you and you also have to maintain that pessimism just to be, I don't want to say like Marcus Aurelius, but you need the guy walking around. You are mortal. Like, because <laughs> during the Kickstarter, when you're like, you take a nap in the day because you did sleep all night doing it and you wake up to $4,000 more. Like, it's, yeah, you don't want to get a big head about that because those people are doing it out well, of the kindness of their heart. Yeah. But at the they same want time, something in return. But at the same time, by not being optimistic and planning for that, like by staying too humble, right. you're essentially crippling your campaign. So it's a really weird headspace that I'm. It is. I mean, because, yeah, you can't be too optimistic, uh, but you can't. I think the big fallacy uh, is being too much like a gambler and like, oh, or just doubling down, like just promising, you know, or being like an addict. Like if you get addicted to that kind of thing and then start making up stretch goals that have no semblance to reality, again, like doing a video game for your tabletop game. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, that's 
a really dangerous place to be. So you have to like, again, be really cautious about what, or be really realistic about it. So yeah, it requires a certain amount of mental strength, I guess, you know, mental uh, flexibility uh, and just resolve. Uh, and to be honest, that's yeah. where we're at when I said like with the final update, not the final, final update, yeah. the penultimate update, I guess, when it was like uh, announcing the stretch goal. Cause like uh, Kyle pitched that to me midway through. And I'm like, that sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. Let's do that. But like the trades and other stuff, Mm-hmm. After that was a lot of things that like I had planned as like support things after all of the Kickstarter was. Oh so. yeah, and we got to that level. I'm like, well, there's no reason we can't make those stretch goals and just have a, a bigger, more robust line of PDFs. Yeah, and uh, things afterwards. Um, but after that 68 goal, like I didn't have anything all like that other than an entirely new book. And I'm like, I don't want to budget an entirely new book when yeah. I haven't delivered on the first one yet. Uh, especially with all these stretch goals and stuff we need to do. So I had to just call it. Like, yeah. that's it. I appreciate anything more. You get the stuff. But Yeah, yeah. that's the other thing. Is Again, you can't just keep adding stretch goals on. Uh, you have to know what your limit is and how much you can fulfill. So again, like... But if I'd planned yeah. up to 24K, yeah. I would have been making that call a lot being earlier. responsible. I'd have been making that call a week into the campaign. Yeah. And uh, that would not have been good for the over to get to the overall number we ended up getting yeah. at. So, um, I mean, yeah. And part of this is like figuring knowing, you know, a man's got to know his limitations. Uh, so I think part of it is when you're doing a Kickstarter, um, knowing how, what kind, you know, having more experience or having a better feel for project management. I don't think red markets could have gone off without, you know, no security, no so left behind. Uh, definitely not without RPPR. Yeah. And, uh, well, just your experience with other Kickstarters and, yeah. other, and like fulfillment, you know. Again, talk about what could happen. What what's the worst that could happen? Two tornadoes, <laughs> a delay, and a oh, act, no, uh, yeah. I was probably yeah. I, I say tornadoes because of minimize. It was actually a tropical storm and an actual hurricane. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but you had that experience with bad things, so you you had a better idea of what to what to expect and what not to expect. Yeah. Um, and not everyone has that. So if you're if you're the first time Kickstarter launcher, like be a little more humble maybe be a little more humble about your overall goal. Like unless you have a lot of experience doing this in some other field. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really tricky. Like Kickstarter is this weird kind of space that isn't exactly I mean it's it's art but it's commerce and it's project management. It's a, uh, promotion and PR all hyped up into one. If you're not doing yeah. a physical project on Kickstarter, like you can write a PDF or do some sort of digital thing. Yeah. Publishing. Like if you don't start with a ransom, I think you're crazy. Or if you're not working with someone that's done something that's yeah. not a ransom, I think you're crazy. Cause I am so grateful for the experience I had in those other Kickstarters. Yeah. Uh, so grateful. Uh, well, I mean video yeah. games, I mean, but yeah, video games. Yeah. Yeah. Is kind of, Ooh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, but in the yeah. RPG space, like yeah. definitely give it away for free first. Yeah, because like I, I got every freelancing job I've ever gotten based off no security. Yeah, no one gave a damn until I do it myself, and yeah. then that's your resume. Like, invent your experience so you can mm-hmm. get more experience. Um, but anyway, reading off topic. So, yeah. um, Kickstarter went for a few days. Yeah, going pretty well. Very fast. Uh, first week was pretty huge. Um, so the first thing that I would like to change in the future, Mm -hmm. so the Kickstarter, 
autocorrect algorithm <laughs> is robust. Scorebook. Yeah, as in, like, it will not let you change it back. So it's not like I s- didn't see it corrected to scorebook. Yeah. It's more like I didn't see it corrected to scorebook the 18th time. Like, yeah. you will literally go back, change it, click X on doing it again, and you will scroll down. And when you go back up, it is scorebook again. God damn it. <laughs> Our pregens become preens. Uh, uh, so-, yeah. so the scorebook thing, uh, one of the rewards says you will get the – Core, you're supposed to say core book. Yes. It's one word, but you have, it says score book. And like, probably 20% of the comments are, hey, this is, there's no such thing. Yeah. Um, so, like, the yeah. thing with that is, is that, and this is another thing, once backer levels are written, yeah. they are untouchable. Yeah. You cannot change the decks whatsoever. You can only add new rewards. Um, so that got problematic because you can't force people to go to a different reward tier. Yeah. Cause another thing I didn't anticipate was the demand for an all digital tier. Yeah. I thought that like getting the PDF of the book would be good for the digital tiers. Not that you would want the PDF of the book and everything else ever published about it. PDF wise. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of surprised you didn't think about that. I know I am too. I yeah. feel like an idiot. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not a good thing. This is the full disclosure part. This is a dumb choice on my part. All right. All right. Um, so I had to make an all, uh, I had to make a tier up midway through, yeah. and that kind of threw the logic of the other tiers off, yeah. and that was problematic. So, you know, stuff I would change in future yeah. is definitely uh, regarding that. Another thing, and this, I'm not surprised I didn't think this, because I'm an RPG nerd at this point, tried and true. Uh, people asking, would they get the PDF after getting the physical book, which just kind of blew my mind that that was ever in question, because, like... That seems to me just like standard practice now. Why wouldn't I give you a digital copy if I gave you a physical copy? Uh, no, that's true. If, I, if you have a physical yeah. copy, you can make a digital copy. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're scanners. They're pretty cheap. Like, um, so I just assumed that was the case and like yeah. was giving that out. But apparently there were a lot of people who have like been burned on that or like didn't know that was well, the no, thing. Well, no, there's no – like the thing is Arc Dream and the and Eclipse Phase uh, and the people we're kind of work more with and uh, more familiar with. Uh, do that, but that is not by any ways the universal standard of the RPG industry. Yeah, and I assumed it was. So yeah. that was a dumb mistake on my part because, yeah. like, that made people skeptical about backing. Yeah. When I was just something like, I assumed, why wouldn't I do that? Or, like, if I wasn't going to do that, that would be what I put in the backer description. Like, yeah. I'm crazy and I won't give you a digital copy after you buy the physical copy. <laughs> like, uh, well, what they do is they, they, have, they have PDF, print, and then print plus PDF at a, like, a markup. Yeah, I don't get that. Um, <laughs> well, they get more money is, is why. But. Yes, yeah, but like I wouldn't buy that. Like, yeah, neither uh, would I. Yeah, every time I've ever seen that, that's like a, well, PDF it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, buy a book, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, so um, I, I understand why I did made that. I don't yeah. understand why I didn't make the all-digital reward. That was dumb. Yeah. Dumb past Caleb, uh, but until later. But I understand why I didn't put that in the back of wars because you got to make them succinct. Like, because yeah. um, no matter how much you write, no matter how many podcasts you do, no matter how clear you are in your description, someone's going to send you, and that someone's going to be times a million. They're going to send you a question mm-hmm. that's been answered a billion times, and messages are in comments or in the frequently asked questions. Yes, or in the frequently asked questions, or anything else. Uh, so you just got to keep 
Yeah, um, so you're, you you want to be as clear about that stuff as possible, but you also yeah. want to be concise because most people aren't going to read it. Yeah. Uh, and so – They're certainly not going to read all, everything. And so like I and definitely – the part I definitely didn't balance that out quite enough. So uh, – Yeah, so the lessons I think the takeaways for this part uh, would be, one, uh, be broadly aware of what you're doing. I mean in terms of – or like in terms of the category that you're doing. So like I was aware of the print plus PDF thing because I I, – I, I wouldn't say obsessively, but I follow RPG Kickstarters and I read a lot of them and i study a lot of them just to keep up on it and i've seen the print your pdf print and then print plus pdf as a separate thing uh which is why i did a i always said print plus pdf level for like base raiders or whatever see and uh, i do that i read a lot of those too yeah but i i just realize that like my eyes slide off yeah. of a kickstarter and if they don't have that option and that and, that's, <laughs> and that was really dumb for and me and that's yeah. why people ask you questions yeah because their eyes slide and that's the other thing is that backers their eyes will slide off of different things. Yeah. Uh, and you can never anticipate what that will be. So like they're going to get there. It's like a jigsaw puzzle and they get like 50% of the pieces and they're asking you for the other. Half. Yeah. And you just have to like, um, it's part of the job is just yeah. customer service. You just have to do it. So yeah. And that was, and don't be a dick about it. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not yeah. saying you were, but like some, I've seen some, other Kickstarter la- uh, project owners or launchers have been really snarky or like condescending to backers, and that is such the kiss of death. Yeah, uh, to a project, don't you have to be like professional and humble and enthusiastic at all times? Uh, yeah, and um, I, I got a little snarky on like some yeah. forums, <laughs> uh, which I think was justified, but like never on the page. Yeah, and I never really felt snarky to anyone on page because you know they're messaging me, they're taking the time to consider it. Even yeah, if it's not for them. That's fine. Um, so, and then the only other thing I would change maybe in the backing thing. So like in our design document for all of the artists get. Yeah. Um, we have this big like the first six or seven slides in the PowerPoint with references are about like we're going to be inclusive and we are going to be practical. Nobody fights zombies with their midriff exposed. Uh, everybody fights zombies in a poverty wasteland isn't buff and tan and like you know with 5% body fat right. and you know what if it's an economic horror and we're being realistic about it if your means are your means of survival even during a zombie apocalypse there's probably going to be a lot of people from underrepresented minorities down there because yeah. they're not going to be asked to get on the bus towards right. the safe zone uh, and we want those people to play and be heroes and stuff like that too uh, so that's what it's all about and mm. so there is a variety of like women and men yeah. and people of different races and the stuff but um i i mentioned that it's an inclusive setting you can be whatever you want to be there's nothing on your character sheets whether you're male female or any other kind of gender identification you're you're you can be whatever kind of ethnicity you want to be right. and role play it as and bring that party and if you want to bring it into the game you can bring it into spots and like if you're comfortable with your market about that kind of yeah. stuff uh, and I feel like I've designed like that, and I've actually done that for the art. But the thing is, is like when you do that as a selling point, which it is, uh, I got some criticism based on the art that was included. Now, there were 15 pieces of art done, uh, not all of which which contained people at all. Like some yeah. were landscapes, some were propaganda. Uh, but there were 15 pieces of art done before the Kickstarter. I think actually 10 of which which involved like humans that weren't like zombified and stuff um and like there were some accusations that like it wasn't as diverse as it could be yeah and i understand that now since i advertise based off it but it's not something i considered uh because in 10 pieces of art is like 
nothing compared right. to and like there is some diversity in stuff I mean that's like there. 10% like of yeah. what, what it's going to be oh it, it's less than 10% yeah. of the art in the book at this point with 72,268 we're going to go yeah. all out pretty book <laughs> um, but uh, yeah it's it's a drop in the hat as to what's going to be in the actual book uh, and so yeah I didn't I didn't encourage that as strongly as I should have for preview pieces because right. I'm just like because in preview pieces, while that was in there, and I did look for that, and no cheesecake and a variety of genders and that kind of stuff, right. I wasn't doing analysis. And there was also like, uh, so I, I'm regretful of not being stricter in art direction of that because it, I think I led I, some people that I was like right. trying to manipulate their vote or something right. when it was something I didn't intend on doing in the book, which is not the case. Uh, I mean, some of those accusations got ridiculous because they wanted to know like the gender and ethnicity of everyone working as the freelancers. And I'm like, well, maybe they could tell you that because they're listed and yeah. not a great look for your manager is like, he's black. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not a great, you know, that right. that's my way best, worse. My like, best friend is. A yeah. Black. Look at my yeah. best freelancer is a lady. Yeah. Like uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so. uh, well, I, I think in general though, like in terms of uh, people wanting their own Kickstarter is that, the issue was that you're, you you advertised the project as being like X, and it wasn't quite X. It wasn't quite representative of In that. the art. In the art. In one department. So that's something when you're pr- uh, creating uh, promotional material for your Kickstarter, including the Kickstarter page, like the text, the artwork that you're going to put uh, paste in there, uh, you have to be really careful to make sure that like what you say is what is – shown in the the promotional stuff in the video in the artwork and whatever else so um if you say it's a game about robots and there's no robots or there's like one robot and then five uh you know pandas be like what the fuck are these pandas doing here oh well that's just the panda chapter i mean everything like the other nine chapters are robots it's you know uh but the pandas i just thought they were cute so screw you (laughs) so people are like well what the fuck is this game about about robots or pandas uh and that's so and that's again. That's part of that. Like you can't check your own mistakes to a certain degree, and so like your eyes slide off of it, or like you you don't you don't think about that. Well, I did. Yeah. I just didn't present it. Uh, yeah. I didn't forefront it enough. It's yeah. there. I just didn't highlight it enough uh, as as the bulleted text in that description. Yeah, maybe uh, people wanted. Yeah, so if it's, th- if that's it's a work in progress too. That's another thing. If it's a work in progress, like you need to be really honest about it. I know some people kind of were like it's a work in progress and a tiny asterisk at the bottom or whatever. Like, but you know, to say that they've done it, but like not to really you know emphasize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I, you have to be honest about it. If it's not done, it's not done. And, yeah. And, and I, I heard podcasts mentioning the game. So like I will be honest, I didn't forefront it enough for some people, yeah. but like. Uh, I'm, I also realize I'm going to have a major context problem with this book because, like, I am a cisgendered, heteronormative white dude. Uh, and I have two options writing as that. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose I have three options. Never write anything ever. <laughs> um, be that guy in your MFA. <laughs> and it's all about the problems of being, yeah. you know, tragically white and heteronormative. Or try and include other voices. But in my attempt of like right. trying to do that authentically as best as I can uh, recognize I'm probably going to make mistakes. So I picked the third option mm-hmm. and um, 
uh, in some podcasts, a lot of people were assuming, well, he's going to make all these mistakes. And like he calls them takers because he has this very Republican mindset and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, how do you know that? And it's like because they talk about me being a heteronormative white dude because they like looked at my pictures before they talked about my book. Right. And I'm like, well, we're talking about diversity. That's not a great thing. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I, I can't argue that's a. That's a problem the book's going to have. It's not a problem I'm going to have. I'm going to be fine. I'm heteronormative, cisgendered <laughs> white dude. Uh, but, you know, that's a that's a thing the book's – that's a hurdle the book's going to have to jump, which is something I realized. So. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of – yeah. And, and in some ways it's a, it, like a lot of games have become really politicized about that. I mean it's a very uh, – and it's an issue – I think every game has to deal with to some degree or another now uh, because either you acknowledge it and you try to work on it or you don't acknowledge it or you're a reactionary or whatever. It's, 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 it's a minefield uh, and there's, yeah. no, there's no easy way around it. So it's so just another thing to be aware of. Some backer level stuff, uh, some not anticipating the market stuff and some um, – I don't think it uh, – unfortunate – Highlighting issues, I suppose, yeah. with certain things. Those, those were mistakes I made. There were other like struggles throughout the Kickstarter, but mm-hmm. that really goes into like the the day to day work of managing a Kickstarter. Yeah, so. yeah. Some of the work you did, uh, you, you mentioned the interviews a little bit uh, while you did a lot of interviews. I think, yeah, uh, certainly um, a lot more than usual. I think for a Kickstarter project. So my day yeah. for a Kickstarter <laughs> would be uh, get up in the morning after not sleeping at all. Um, then write an update if you need to write an update. Because uh, I would usually, I would try not to post an update right after you hit a stretch goal because then somebody drops a pledge. Yeah. Or something like that. You want a little buffer. You want a little buffer. Uh, or a lot of buffer <laughs> near the end of the campaign, but we'll get to that. Um, so then I'd get on my computer, I'd open up Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, three different internet forums, the Kickstarter, KickTrack, mm-hmm. and about a dozen other tabs. Because you would be amazed, like, I'm going to ask a Kickstarter question on your personal MySpace page rather than on the Kickstarter. Yeah. Or I'm going to ask a Reddit question on the Kickstarter, like, because everyone has their own internet hunting grounds yeah. and they will only respond in the ones they're most comfortable in. Yeah. So you need to be everywhere at once, constantly F5ing it. Uh, so write the update, do that, keep track of it, and then just constantly have that in the background while I worked on the book. Yeah, or, or something else. Um, but the main thing I did, uh, I didn't go for banner ads or anything like that. Um, and the main thing I did was podcast interviews, and I responded to as many people as I could to get podcast interviews. And yeah. I made that the social bounty, which I think was a good idea in retrospect, and something I will repeat in every Kickstarter I do from now on is yeah. making free promotion part of a uh, unlock pyramid. Yeah. Um, Social media is definitely a key element of this, and social media stretch goals are twenty podcast interviews. Yeah, they got ridiculous there near the end. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing to mention about podcast interviews: obviously, we have our own podcast here in RPPR, and we get a lot of requests for podcast interviews, and we cannot obviously answer them all or like repl- do them because I there's there's a certain limit on the how much time I have available, and the other people at RPPR uh, don't take it. Like the one thing to do when you're writing to Kickstarter, send out those interviews and just be pleasantly surprised if anyone replies. Uh, we were re- obviously you were really fortunate with this, uh, but a lot of, I know I get a lot of requests and I just can't, you know, interview everybody. So, uh, yeah. And I got turned down a lot 
Yeah. Um, and you just have to deal with that. And you have to be, again, professional. Don't be like, how dare you? I'll make you pay or whatever. You know? And I, I, I haven't I had that problem. But, like, don't get disheartened. Don't take it personally. It's just – it sucks, but it's part, of the, it's part of the process. Yeah. And, I mean, like, so real talk, one shot was huge. Yeah, uh, they have a huge audience. I'm really glad we could do the cross promotional thing. James yeah. and them are nice guys. They played the game really well, but that was really big for the Kickstarter. Um, but I also had some other really cool podcasts that were you know really nice, and other ones that were big that didn't want to talk to me, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but the main thing I did since like what I realized you have to Kickstarter has to be your full time job while it's going on. You can't work. You can't go do other stuff. It's too distracting in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're always wondering if someone's You're actively coming. hemorrhaging money when you don't. When I got pulled down to my in-laws to go and pack stuff, like yeah. I'm not responding to questions. I can't do stuff like that. That's horrible. Yeah. Like, that's really bad for your bottom line. Um, but one shot was great. But everything else, like I didn't like vet Kickstarters. Like, if somebody wanted to do an interview, I did an interview. I was some people's first podcast. <laughs> on their interviews and but you know what they're like oh i got a, i got like a hundred downloads and stuff like that you know what that's people that if five of them back yeah that's hundreds of dollars yeah. for a 30 minute skype call like you can't turn that down so this is true there were a couple weeks in there where i had like four or five podcast interviews in a day like i, I was really blitzing that as my main marketing idea because like i was gonna buy ad space but the main i wanted to buy ad space on kevin robin but they stopped doing yeah. it and i thought about doing banner ads but then i'm like man i never click on a banner ad and i think i'm like the ideal reader for red markets this game i'd want to play i so we did one or two but yeah. and i was very grateful for them but like i did not <laughs> see a lot of worth in it uh yeah um so yeah that was our main promotional stuff was the podcast well other than gdw but other podcast interviews yes yeah. Uh, and you have those collected on a page somewhere, like all the links. So somebody who's, you know. Yes. Uh, they're on the Reddit page. They're on the Facebook page and yeah. all the others. There's dozens of them. Uh, some of them haven't been posted yet because they didn't post it during the Kickstarter. Uh, but, uh, one thing, did you send them, like, uh, materials about Kickstarter so they, or about Red Market so they could uh, uh, prep for the interview? Like the, ba- the, air, the play? Yeah, been? I sent them the page and, yeah. like, all of the GDWs and all okay. that stuff. Um, so, yeah, it, it went pretty well. Um, but yeah, so that was like a full day of work, Uh, not just working on the book, which is its own thing. Yeah. Uh, you, you're constantly updating that stuff and and pushing it through. Uh, and that's where I found like the, the unknown unknowns, like problems I didn't anticipate having. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was, that was a little odd. And I think everyone will probably have that, but sure. I think it's probably going to depend on your project. So I don't know how useful it is for other people to hear. Uh, well, I mean, what kind of things did surprise you? Um, so like, (laughs) there's a lot of political pushback (laughs) Uh, and I'm not just talking about the one forum we were talking about. It's, it was elsewhere. There's a lot of, I wouldn't say pushback because there was no push. There's a lot of political reactionary insanity when you say economics in your game. So like, I I don't think anyone's going to read red markets and be unaware of my political leanings uh nor was that ever my intention yeah uh, nor do i give a shit if you disagree uh play the game or don't um but the fact of the matter is is like people who have never listened to ddw didn't read the kickstarter page have no knowledge of who i am anything i've ever published before or anything they see the word economics and then they just start cherry picking 
So I am a, I am simultaneously a Nazi libertarian communist SJW fascist yeah. like and like they just find whatever they don't like in it mm-hmm. and that's what the game's about uh, and they just will not accept any amount of like logical mm-hmm. well I'm not really planning right. on doing that uh, and you've just lost those people from the front end uh, and that's another reason why it's so important to maintain like a very positive. Nice no. attitude, and you can't and you can't give in to them. You can't like if you start getting in a flame war with them, you've lost because people will cherry pick your quotes and show you. Well, those yeah. people never want to back. Those people well, yeah. want to, but those people want to hijack. It's, the narrative. It, it, you want, it, yeah. The goal is not to defeat them in a in a, a debate or whatever. It's to look better to more or less neutral bystanders who are just lurking and reading. Them. Yeah, and I'm talking yeah. like a less than one percent because like yeah. that's the thing. The narrative of red markets is overwhelmingly positive about a great community of people yeah. that have done a wonderful thing that I'm endlessly grateful for. That is the narrative of red market in ninety nine point nine percent of people. But like the problem with that, and I don't know every Kickstarter has to face this, is just letting that point oh one percent not hijack the narrative there no that, that and that is a dilemma not just i mean obviously whenever you use a um hot topic like economics you know something that that anyone can spin to whatever um i've seen other kickstarters like recently i read about a kickstarter for a ya novel and this uh writer was like oh well my publisher uh folded before they could publish my trilogy uh, I would like to publish the rest of the trilogy through Kickstarter. I need ten thousand uh, dollars, including this much money, so I can afford to work on the book and focus on nothing else. And a lot of people are like, I'm not going to pay you pay your rent so you can write a book, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, so people got there was a lot of outrage in the YA writing community or among those backers, potential backers that like. They thought uh, it was some sort of luxury. Like people will bat, will pay if you say the money is for printing a book, but if you say it's for labor, your labor, then it's like, oh well, I don't get a, I don't get to work uh, on a book for. I have to have a day job. Why don't you have a day job? You know, or whatever, or you know, something like yeah. that. There, I mean, there's entitlement issues among that, certain people. That would certainly be nice, but yeah. I knew that was uh, I knew that was going to be a pushback. Yeah, and I never planned on paying myself. And yeah, even with this surplus in this amazing campaign uh i still don't plan on paying myself until everything's done like that's the i have an emergency budget now yeah we're not like down to the right down to the flesh uh, (laughs) bone of uh budgeting everything which is so good uh especially with taxes and stuff right Uh, but i mean the idea is yeah like you should just be grateful to create something uh and then which is a completely illogical thing but like Yeah. yeah i anticipated the narrative getting hijacked that way I didn't anticipate some of the narrative hijacks. Yet. Like, yeah. like the inclusivity thing, one of the yeah. podcasts that talked about it said that um, I no doubt have this like Republican right wing, uh, you know, small government libertarian mindset because I call them takers, which is a pejorative right. term for people on the welfare state. I'm like, yes, I know that's intentional. Like, it's a horror game. Yeah. Um, so. That's fine. Because you're labeled that doesn't mean you have to live up to it. Right. But the fact that you don't live up to it and the label has no power or meaning does not mean the label disappears. That's not how anything works. Like, it would be insulting to do it the other way where you're like, oh, that's just not true. Oh, you proved me right. Everything. It's not a Disney movie. Like, (laughs) no, you know, like, uh, so 
I mean, like, if I'm going to get accused of anything in Red Bark, it's being a leftist, like, because, like, it's not a game where, like, the answer is to have the revolution in it, because it's a horror game. The horror is that the revolution isn't coming, uh, and that you're living on it, and, like, but the fact of the matter is, is, like, when you say the E-word, people, some people just Mm -hmm. shoot to their corner and will not go out, Uh, and that is... You gotta constantly respond to that. You've gotta constantly be typing and writing on comments, and right. so even and, even. But, and this can happen for like not just real life issues. It could a- a- happen for game design issues, like oh, you're changing this rule for my beloved game, or you're you have women in yeah. chainmail bikinis, or you don't have women in chainmail <laughs> bikinis, yeah, or. Any number of things. You would be, I mean, just looking at Kickstarter news, there's just, oh, controversy after controversy. And it's just, you can't, yeah, you can't, you can predict some of those, some of those you can't predict. And you just have to be ready to deal with it. So the majority of your questions come from like legitimate screw ups, like me not writing the right backer levels or typos. Uh, Or typos (laughs) or something like that. Uh, Another big section of them come from, you know, people who just haven't read the whole part of the campaign, or they have questions that other people aren't necessarily concerned about, but they're legitimate. I mean, there questions. was some pushback on the video, for example. I remember. At the oh, beginning. that was one guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then, uh, so uh, there's that, and. As you get towards the middle, like there's the doldrums, uh, and this is all. Yeah, this all happened while you're getting towards yeah. the middle. Towards the so end. at this point in the timeline, we're yeah. after like the first week. This is the yeah. established thing. Uh, so so there's those legitimate questions, and then those le- other legitimate questions that come from legitimate errors because yeah. I'm one guy in an office uh, that he made out of an old bedroom. <laughs> um, uh, and then, like, the other part is, like, dealing with retail therapy, I guess. Like, you've been traumatized in the past from some other Kickstarter or thing you've bought, and you've suddenly hallucinated it being in my product. Uh, or, or rightly seen it in my product, and I say, okay, yeah, it's there, don't do it. Then. Yeah. Um, but, like, that is a... That is a small subset, but a time-consuming subset of running a Kickstarter <laughs> is dealing with these people's, like... Sort of, and like that's the main thing. Most of the time, they're not going to get on board. Yeah, uh, it's a matter of please go away. Yeah, everyone else comes like, "Yay, Caleb!" Or when are we going to get this? Or my character is um, going to be this? And like yeah. this rampant enthusiasm. And like I would really like to keep that going rather than you being like he's a Nazi, whatever, yeah. based on nothing. Uh, so yeah, uh, one thing is yeah, time management in general and dealing with social media issues because. One thing you're going to encounter, too, is if you launch a Kickstarter that's at all popular. I mean, like, even – not even, like, Red Market's level, but, you know, like, a couple hundred people. Uh, you'll start getting a lot of attention from a lot of people, and some of them will be, like, these concerned trolls or, you know uh, – but some of them will be legitimate fans, but they'll be, like, wanting to take up all your time or they'll be – uh, podcasts that keep rescheduling interviews or uh, and they never you can never meet up and it's just like a frustration um, and so you have to learn how to you know manage your time just dealing with people and it's it's uh, an yeah, ongoing issue yeah and it's like it's really not that hard to do it's just that I didn't expect it so yeah. like that was one of the learning experiences sure. like it's not that hard to be diplomatic and stuff like that like I do parent teacher conferences yeah Nothing's as irrational as that. If you were customer service, if you worked uh, at a, yeah. a fast food place, and you know you 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 know how to do customer service, yeah. But it's not something I anticipated. Like, yeah. and I think what really solidified it for me is this one guy commented, like, he said the backer levels were too inflated, and like, why would I pay for this? 
and you responded because yeah. it was very it's very nice to have help <laughs> yeah uh all among your backers and among other people in the product if they can answer questions too yeah you're much yeah get a support team yeah um you said there's like well we put up like 60 hours of podcast for free yeah. and not counting the commentary podcast or the blog and then there's <laughs> another 40 hours of content coming out for that and then you get an ebook and you get an audio book yeah you like, get a lot of extra content yeah and he's like that is zero value to me yeah. Yeah. okay then don't buy it yeah. like <laughs> free market baby like if yeah. we want to do libertarian proceed not to back it and yeah. move on but like i've never stood outside a store i don't buy things at and screamed at them about their pricing yeah. <laughs> uh so like that that is what solidified me. oh these these are internet people yeah there, there there's um, always going to be people who will uh backseat kickstart your project like they will criticize like oh i would back it if you just changed one thing if you made it ten dollars cheaper or gave me free shipping or gave me extras for free or uh made the book color or made it two books or make it three you know or add a video game you know the 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 everyone is an expert at kickstart <laughs> is what yeah. it comes out to but like that's the thing it's yeah it's a relatively small smart of your day it's just a matter of like knowing that's coming and then anticipating it yeah. um the other part of time management is that kickstarter is a thing now and a thing has scammers oh yeah so something i did not know because like it's been a while so for instance we did i did stretch goals for the transhuman kickstarter so i was involved in like answering questions on that yeah and like following the kickstarter and promoting it but that's it the devotees yeah, yeah the devotees and then for no soul left behind um i basically Designed the campaign, the backer levels, did the video, but it was still run by Arc Dream because they yeah, were doing so it was all tied the to their email account. So it was tied to their email account. <laughs> so I didn't know it. And then beyond that, the first last one I had that was tied to my email account was no security. No security. And Kickstarter was, I guess, relatively new then. Yeah. So the second you start making money on Kickstarter, everyone wants to help you. Speaking with, of self-proclaimed experts. <laughs> yeah. Everyone wants to help you with your advertisement, which is mind-blowing to me because like, I didn't start getting messages until we were like talking 25K. Yeah. And then suddenly all these social media experts were coming out. <laughs> gonna help me promote the kickstarter and i'm like looking at the number on the kickstarter it's like that's like asking me to pay you for mowing my lawn after i've mowed my lawn <laughs> like i've done a podcast for four years to promote this game like i'm doing podcast episodes every day i'm on here online i've got all these social media accounts and i'm building websites and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and now you want to help me out well thank you buddy like <laughs> And they just come out of everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you have to worry about is cross promotion. Mm -hmm. Like, and cross promotion is really effective. So, uh, if done right, yeah. So there was an RPG, murders and acquisitions. Yeah, economically based, made sense. All on Kickstarter at the exact same time. Yeah, guy was a member of the Indie Game Developers Network with me. He messaged me about doing a cross promotion. I'm like, I'll throw you in my update. You throw me in yours. It was great. I got a bunch of backers. He got a bunch of backers. Worked out swell. People who like the economics and RPG found the stuff, stuff like that. Weird. Um, crocodile skin wallets. Not sure how it's necessarily related to an RPG, uh, no. nor do I know how universal remotes or uh, pretty much anything else I got cross-promotion for, of which there are hundreds, uh, and they just spam you. Like, yeah. everybody wants it. Uh, so <laughs> That's something to be aware of. Yeah. yeah, so, like, don't give in to that. Like... Uh, yeah, you will get a lot of. Yeah, I I actually still get messages on like some of my old Kickstarters, like the one of sending Aaron to Gen Con. <laughs> I recently had like, oh, based on your expertise and how that well you legendary did this campaign, yeah. 
Actually, you did so well in that one. I'm wanting to do my own Kickstarter, which is this one. Can you give me advice? And maybe you would like to back my Kickstarter. Or actually, it wasn't even Kickstarter. It was some knockoff Kickstarter for European projects. Um, yeah, so like I say that yeah. not because like I was concerned about it, but like the anxiety I had before I hit launch sure. and before we hit that 2019, I could see that you making a stupid decision based well, on that anxiety. I think that, like, yeah. I, I am fully of the mindset that if you don't have that marketing whatever thing in placement before you hit launch, it's a scam. Don't touch it. Yeah. Like, uh, or if that cross promotion isn't like an obvious fit. Yeah. It's a from scam. another Kickstarter. From another Kickstarter. It's a scam. Don't touch it. Yeah. Uh, because like, yeah, that's the kind of thing. So like, if it took me two weeks to get up to twelve thousand dollars, like those those would have looked way more attractive. Yeah. To get to that number, but like, you know, once you're past needing it, it mm-hmm. becomes so obvious how bullshit that is to do it after you've right. launched. Well, I, that yeah. like, I, I, that's a big warning thing I would say for people. Uh, I mean, the thing is uh, that industry is kind of built. Not on. I mean, the thing is, you're a sophisticated Kickstarter project launcher. You have years of experience in the relevant industry. You've studied it extensively. Uh, and the thing is, I think the average Kickstarter launcher is like, hey, I'm making a movie uh, with my friends from college or whatever, or I'm doing a band, or, you know, it's a very. It's a it's a it's it's a small community project, and those are the pre- and they like oh here I'm a sophisticated global expert I'll be and I just noticed out of the goodness of my heart you know yeah uh, uh-huh. and so they're going to the naive the unsophisticated Kickstarter launch I mean if you're listening to this podcast you're probably on the way you 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 either are or you're educating yourself to not be this kind of person but yeah be aware of it like there are like they see the money and they just. Marketers and promoters, self promoters, are just see this as another scam. I mean, it's like certain real estate developers get really good at like people believing their own hype and just you know their their own self promotion is the own product and yeah, it's, and, it's and, circular. You know? And think yeah. about like like you're not selling ShamWows, you're yeah. selling RPGs. So like. I know a lot of like social media consultants and like business consultants in the real world and stuff. And like, I've, you know, had the benefit of living no closer than having to be friends and talk to them about this kind of stuff. (laughs) And they make statements like, well, don't go to the G plus it's a dead platform. There's no reason to waste resources on it. And like, that's the thing. They don't know that RPG nerds are weird and love G plus more so than anyone else. Uh, they don't know that there would be a Pinterest page full of elves slaying orcs, but there (laughs) are, they have no idea where to look on like the darkest recesses of some internet forum to find like the most rabid internet fans. And if you get your random, like I'll retweet it for you to my 400 backers for Splunky media or whatever they're (laughs) called. Uh, like, yeah, you're not going to get anything out of that. They have no idea where to target. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, it's about knowing your niche. Yeah. And uh, the, even if you're not doing an RPG project, like look at other projects uh, in that category, talk to those people, and figure out that scene. And that's what you're going for. You're going for, you know, scenesters uh, of whatever product you're going for, whether it's horror movie fans or knitting projects or whatever else. There's a social media scene for it, and those are the people you need to target. Like, yeah, gen- those those marketing gurus are they're just aiming a shotgun at a barn and hoping it hits you know yeah and like cross promotion with like all these gadgets and stuff like what tom haverford sarper image addict yeah is also like thinking about his latest indie rpg he wants to play with his friends yeah who's flying business class looking at your 
nose hair MP3 yeah. email yeah. player and thinking like I should really get a game about zombie economic horror. Like, yeah, there's no Venn diagram there. They're just spam emailing. I just, you. I'm still startled. Uh, I'm still just amazed that there is like a Sky Mall category for a Kickstarter. Apparently, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, those kind of products. Like, it's like, why isn't this? In, why isn't this just being paid by Sky Mall? Like, it just. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, but yeah, so that's something to look out for. Uh, just be prepared for it. It's going to happen. So, um, as we started approaching the bigger goals, yeah, uh, cause we really hit, uh, so I guess we could talk about this, some statistical anomalies. Okay. So, um, if you're, if your campaign is going to be very successful and very successful is being in the hundreds of percents overfunded. Yeah. Uh, like so, and you didn't set it at like a dollar. <laughs> yeah. So like two hundred percent funded is pretty good, but like yeah. if we're talking like successful and like four hundred, five hundred thousand percent, the basic wisdom is that you need to be hitting a stretch goal every two or three days, which we did. Yeah. Uh, which is why like we always had a four thousand consistent unit because I wanted to hit that every time, even though everyone wasn't four thousand. Some were cheaper, some were way more expensive. Like it didn't cost four thousand. Amortized it. Yeah, it didn't cost four thousand dollars to get an offset print run, kids. Like <laughs> it costs what an enormous amount of money, and I'd been saving up that for every kick, every goal right. up to that point. Um, so like that's why we did the regular unit thing because you want to clear every two right. or three days, and we did that, and that was great. Um, the other thing is that you have the doldrums, and the doldrums stay really consistent and only go down until the last two or three days. We did not have that. Uh, I don't know if there was a podcast promotion or anything else, but like we had like a three thousand dollar day on like June 9th and a two thousand dollar and I have no idea where that came from like it wasn't a one shot thing uh it was the second one okay it wasn't like the first time it had been posted like we had like a one thousand two thousand three thousand dollar day bump and then oh, we did I think it was the preview of fallen flag uh yeah it might have been that like yeah. I don't know I, I I don't know but like it came out of nowhere, like, yeah. and that's not what happens because you have a U curve or a J curve that goes up. Yeah. Um, and then that was weird. The average backer point is at twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. uh, and we tripled that. Yeah. Which is nuts. So our most common pledge was sixty five. Right. And that's hardcover. Thank you so Should much. Yeah. I had no <laughs> way to anticipate that, but that's. That's crazy. Um, like the amount of money we made with just barely fifteen hundred backers is nuts. That's a really good sign of the community. Um, but that was that was completely out there, um, mm-hmm. and that was good. But then also, um, our are you? It's usually the last three or four days. Mm-hmm. But our U curve dumped a little bit more. So a lot of people dump as they start realizing they cancel, their they cancel as they hit money problems or they yeah. start realizing. It's going to be. I don't out. know what it is. Okay. Or they don't realize it hasn't been taken out of the bank I, yet. I want to give a public service uh, announcement. <laughs> yeah. If this you is- are a Kickstarter backer, Kickstarter does not take the money until if the project gets a hundred percent or more of its goal and when it hits its deadline until then it doesn't matter if the money's in your bank account or not. It's when that project closes that the money has to be in that credit card or debit card or whatever. So if you get paid on two weeks into it and be like, there, I paid for my Kickstarter. No, you haven't. You get paid it two weeks later when the project ends is when it will be paid. Or I can't back it because I haven't hit payday yet. You don't get paid monthly. Like, um, so yeah, there's that misconception, but then a lot of people get cold feet or something comes up, uh, in between and that's fine. But as a result of that, um, 
so in the last days, you usually have people dump pledges, uh, and then, but you're you still have the people jumping on board with the last forty eight hours. Yeah, and there's a yeah Kickstarter will you can click follow a project or remind me about this project, and then forty eight hours before it ends, Kickstarter will send you an email. Hey, remember the project you wanted? Uh, Which is a great choice if you want yeah. to. Yeah. Make, see what your finances are going to be before the money goes out. Yeah, and uh, also to see if the project like I I've done that sometimes just to like oh it's at fifty percent. Well, if it clears, then I'll back it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it gets over hundred percent. So so there's that stuff. Um, but like we started on the third day, so on the last few day, the last three days, the last day doesn't really count because it was just from midnight to eight. Yeah, so it counts a little bit, and we still made like three thousand dollars, which is enormous. Yeah. Um, so we did that. Then that we did like a four thousand dollars day. Then we did like a three thousand dollar day before that, and then we did like an eight hundred dollar day. We actually did about twenty five hundred dollars worth of business on that day. I lost over fifteen hundred dollars in decreased pledges, and I think that's largely not because like more people were dumping, but because when they were dumping, they were dumping Very a large. larger average backer level. Yeah, but that is you want to talk about. Yeah. Nightmarish. Like it doesn't matter how much money you. This make. is where the resolve comes in. Like, like <laughs> your mental fortitude. I got fifteen emails in a row of people canceling or decreasing pledges, and like one of them was like for five hundred dollars. Another person drops a three hundred. Like you yeah. start having a panic attack. You're like, yeah. oh god, yeah. it's all over. Like uh, so, like because there there is a phenomenon of I've seen on video game kickstarters where it'll raise up, but then like oh we're changing something about the project or we're, we're something we're going to do it like this, not like this. Uh, or it's not coming out on this platform, and then like, and like projects get canceled. Like they like they lose, <laughs> they get below one hundred percent because of that. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. So, and you're always afraid of like the bubble bursts on yeah. crowdfunding. <laughs> uh, so like, it's not a rational fear, but like the, that was a rough day for me. I'm like, oh my god, what's yeah. gonna happen? Like, because like you have the U curve, and I was expecting it to tip up at the end. Yeah. I didn't need it to necessarily, but like. It was. Nice. I was very hopeful, uh, and then like, and that goes woo. Like I was like, Ooh. but yeah. then the next day we had the U curve with much less decreased budgets. But like three or four days at the end, that was. Uh, <laughs> so like we had a weird bump in the middle of the U curve that no idea where that came from. We had a really high. I think our lowest day was five fifteen, and that's still amazing. Uh, that's a statistical anomaly in a much higher backer level. So. Those were all really good. Yeah. Um, and one decision uh, – actually, you know, one one question maybe you, you haven't figured it out yet, but I, I'd put it to you. Um, you're using BackerKit to manage backer addresses and reward management and that kind of thing because that helps a lot with fulfillment. But BackerKit also allows people to pre-order essentially using – getting or backing the project after the Kickstarter ends. Uh, have you made a decision about whether or not you're going to enable that? So I'm looking into that. So um, this brings me to the like the the back end work I was doing that was not the yeah. book. I was starting to realize, oh God, people actually want this. What do yeah. I do? So um, another thing you have to do for RPGs is you got to get print quotes. So uh, if you're doing an offset print run, yeah, which if, we decided we were going to do. Yeah, uh, but I needed to start that as as offset print run looked possible, if not probable. I yeah. had to start that. Print early. on demand. You don't have to worry so much about that. So yeah, we we didn't. Uh, so we did print on demand, um, and that was that was an interesting. I mean, that's another thing to talk about. Is yeah. the offset run update because uh, I agonize over that. But anyway, uh, you got to get 
print run quotes, which are usually based on your specs and then the numbers you want, with a thousand being a bare minimum. Yeah. So I got a number of those. Another thing we had to look in was backer kit. So if we did an offset run, here's the thing. DTRPG will charge you for shipping, and I will never have to touch it. And DTRPG will cause you for print cost. And as long as I have the coupon filled out, it should just be print cost. Yeah. So that's what's going to happen for all the ba- ba- soft covers. But that's something I don't have for to, the soft covers. For soft covers. That's something I don't have to deal with at all. If I print the book somewhere else, yeah. DTRPG is not going to do the fulfillment and yeah. not send it to people. So they're not going to do the charging. So you need a system to charge people for their individual shipping so that I can calculate where your address is in the most recent form, calculate shipping, and figure out how much it's going to cost. So BackerKit does that. And that's what we use. So to get on backer kit, it costs one twenty five to set up your account if you put up a backer kit label before the campaign ends, which I did. And then you have an option of going for five percent, which is everything, and I'm not gonna do that, of your total gross. Uh then you can do two percent of your total thing, and that's it. Or you can do one percent and then they take five percent out of every add on. So what we're gonna do through backer kit is when we charge for shipping because that's all you have to pay for hardcover now, Yeah, is uh, we're going to charge through backer kit. At, but the thing is, they charge shipping like an add-on. So when I did that, I would have to charge an extra 5% to everybody. So we're going to do the 2% option, and then we get to charge that. Yeah. Um, so they will be doing the actual uh, charging for shipping stuff. Um, now, they are not a fulfillment service, though. They're just an online platform. Right. So the other thing you got to look into the the main advantage is that backers can update their address at any time. So like between when the project ends and when you or even when you send out the survey and when you ship out the books and they can administer additional surveys yeah. and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. I mean don't expect a survey anytime soon people. We're going to wait until you've moved a dozen times. <laughs> yeah. We're going to wait till there's books in a warehouse before I send out shipping stuff. Yeah. Um or on a boat. Yeah. Uh so Well they'll be in a warehouse in the printing company and then on a boat and then in another warehouse. Yeah. Um, so then I found a bunch of printing companies. So like, uh, I found a bunch of printing quote. I've, I've dealt with one I really like so far. I'm mm-hmm. really liking them because they also do fulfillment and yeah. they also have a house in Hong Kong, a house in, uh, the UK and a house in, uh, the U S and Canada. So, International shipping will be as cheap as we can make it from them. Yeah. And then it will also be a lot cheaper because if they print it, I don't have to ship every book to the fulfillment house. They can print, fulfill it, and then I can ship whatever's left over to a distributor or a warehouse or yeah. my bedroom, uh, whatever it ends up being. Um, I got space in my garage. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so we're doing that. So, like, but you had that's a lot of numbers, that's a lot of math. That's a lot of accounting and budgeting, and you're basically budgeting stuff you don't know if you have yet. Yeah. So you're you're it's basically just pick your path budgeting. If it does this, we'll do this. If it does yeah. this, we'll do this. If it does this, we'll do this. You know. Uh, so uh, there was a lot of like behind the scenes, just like number crunching Excel sheet stuff, which Bill was kind enough to help me because I don't yeah. have Excel foo nearly as strong as him. Um, trying to figure out that, but like I have a print quote. I have people I want to use. Uh, I'm not going to sign a contract until there's a book file ready to go, but uh, I like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will be doing backer kit for certain for the hardcover books, and you will be charged just for shipping through that. Uh, another main thing I was really worried about, so like you have that entitlement issue with Kickstarter, yeah. and everybody Kickstarters their own. 
adjusting to an offset midway through is something uh, many experts have told me not to do just to plan on it from the front end. Yeah. Because they were afraid of something happening. Right. So, like, the way that, for those of you who don't know, the, the Kickstarter was set up, you could get a paperback book, a print on demand through DTRPG, right. just the cost of printing it plus shipping. Uh, and then at another level, you get a cost of the hardcover book, print on demand, just the cost of printing and shipping. Yeah. Uh, when you go to the offset run, you have to pick, because unless you have to do an offset run for both paperback and hardback, which is not feasible even with the amount we made. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, and then, so we want to do the hardcover level. That's a no-brainer. It will sell yeah. better to distributors. Uh, and then that if we go color, it'll that, look better. Yeah. If we go color, that'll get upgraded because yeah. you can only print black and white or color, or else that's a completely different print run. That's how offset works. So, what I had to do was explain this inside baseball of like how offset printing differs from POD. Yeah. And I had to explain that in such a way as like I'm not trying to gouge people is actually like getting a better price. And that's hard to see if you don't know what's going on behind the curtain. Right. I mean, the the problem with red markets is that you didn't you couldn't predict that it was going to do as well as it did. I could not. And um, I could have, but then I'd be an asshole. And why would you want to back my book anyway? Right. Uh, well, yeah. And for a lot of people, though, what they do is they'll they'll set on like we're going to do print print on demand because we don't want to deal with it. And, and then or they do the offset and like we don't get it. Because you obviously have to have a much higher goal, then we don't get it, and or we put in our own money, no. or yeah, which is which for a company would be good, but for an individual game designer, not so good. Uh, uh, to be clear yeah. to everyone, the offset run at the lowest level is about seventy five percent of what I make yeah. in a year at my yeah. day job. Yeah. Like if I gave up food and all shelter, yeah. and pretty much everything, uh, I still probably wouldn't be able it's, to it's 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 yeah it's like buying a new it's more than buying like buying a nice car like yeah, yeah a really nice car. no monthly payments you buy it because they don't have monthly pa- plans for this either <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you cash it, money oh yeah there's front. no installment plan it's yeah suitcase of cash yeah. kind of money and you'll get to deal with customs too uh sign custom forms too when they <laughs> come over or well probably the well, i know when i had zombies of the world printed i had to f- sign customs forms and shit like that which was fun uh so <laughs> something the average person doesn't get to do um but yeah it's 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 a new world and that's the the kind of problem so your project like if you're doing especially if you're doing the game with a high manufacturing cost with not not necessarily a book but like a board game with custom yeah. components um you're either gonna have to be comfortable asking for a high price because if you if you don't know what the in pro- product is going to be you know if you like oh i could do generic components for a board game with playing cards and a cheap thing and this is the cost but then we can have the deluxe version for fifty thousand dollars up front for you know five thousand copies or whatever um and i don't know what i'm going to get on my kickstarter so like that that's a dilemma so yeah to basically explain it the way it's going to work is like i pay everything for the print run which doesn't work for pod the individual customer pays it and i never see it uh which is nice but like so if i sell a book through dtrpg the paperback version uh i'm going to lose the amount that takes to print the book and this is after the Kickstarter's done. Yeah. I'm going to lose the amount it takes to print the book. Then whatever's left after it takes to print the book, I'm only going to get 65% of that because DTRPG takes a cut. So if the book's huge, Red Markets is now huge, uh, then I'm losing a lot to printing. If it's color, I'm losing even more to printing. 
Well, and, you also have to pay for color art, which is yeah, more expensive. Which is even more expensive. And um, that's kind of, that's built in the regular price. Uh, so the thing is, with the Kickstarter, you're paying that price, but you're getting all these extras with the Kickstarter. Yeah. In addition to that, because we're trying to add value, but then you also have to pay print cost plus shipping. Yeah. Because, you know, I needed that covered, and there's no way to cover that. So but the thing about Offset is that I'm basically agreeing to pay everyone's print cost, but it's not altruistic. Yeah. It is because anything I print over that, when you print in large numbers, the cost per unit goes down because you have to get pre-designed plates in an offset print run that yeah. are like have to be interchanged, uh, and that takes a lot of time and actual machinery work. And the thing is, the longer you can just have the printer running and on, that doesn't cost the printer anything. They just have to assemble it. They can just press the button and it's on now. Um, and it's a lot of work to change it from one book to the other. Right. So the more you print, the cheaper it gets for them. So the reason I'm agreeing to pay that print cost for the hardcover is because like I'm going to make such a better margin yeah. off everything I sell after the backers are fulfilled. So yeah, uh, to a theoretical example, say like you have uh, a thousand copies and they'll give you a quote at like fifteen dollars per copy. Yeah. Um, and then. 2,000 copies, it would be like $8 per copy. So for, and you know, one times 15 is 15,000. Two times, you know, eight, it would be like 16,000, only $1,000 more to print an additional 1,000 copies of the book. Uh, yeah, and to be clear, like the POD hardcover book of uh, color. Yeah. Through. Through pod, if we went color. Print on demand, yeah. Uh, and that's why I put offset before color. Yeah. Because when you jumped it up to color for hardcover for a nearly 400-page book, you're talking like $19 to print a copy. Yeah. And now with an offset run, now, like, if I do 2000 or more, we're talking like yeah. 7 if you can get to like $7. You're doing like seven fifty yeah. per copy. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same product. So you can sell it for the same price, and it's a better margin. Yeah. So, like, I'm happy to pay that, but like, like I said, it's not an installment rate. You need a suitcase of cash. Yeah. To do that. Um, but the thing is, like, since we've hit that, we have the economy of scale for that. For the hardcover, the book just got cheaper, literally, because uh, you're not paying print costs anymore. And then absolutely nothing changes for the backer level. Like, and then when you do color, uh, we're going to have to do an option because I don't want to, like, slide in a price there you didn't see coming. Yeah. Uh, so you'll we're going to do a black and white and a color version. We'll probably phase the black and white one out. The second all the backers for the meet print it. on demand, yeah, for the print on demand copies, because it costs more to print in color, yeah, uh, and I don't want to like surprise anybody with that cost. And this print on demand edition of it might not even be available like publicly. You have you decided that? I haven't really gotten that far yet. I'm gonna have to talk to the distributor. So you might if you if you want to like buy Red Markets after this Kickstarter, you, the only option might be the hardcover offset run. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. I gotta to talk to the distributors about yeah. that kind of stuff because they've got some some people have exclusivity deals and some yeah. people don't and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I feel like that's a cart before the horse because I do want the priority to be the book. Yeah. But now we know how the book will be printed and yeah. how it will roughly be fulfilled. Um, so unless something drastically changes and we'll announce it here in other places, yeah. uh, if you get a hardcover copy of the book, uh, not shipped through DTRPG, uh, through, but through the print company I'm planning on using, and I don't want to say anything until I have a contract, um, you can expect it to be in a bubble envelope manila folder. Uh, but in order to prevent the book from being damaged on the edges, it will have a uh, hardcover corner stops. So they're basically custom made cardboard, mm -hmm. pla actually not, they're plastic. 
uh, thing that go on all the four corners of the book so yeah. that the corners don't get bent during shipping, uh, which is something they have. And then if you got the dice, basically we're going to um, – I don't know if you know this little plastic thing that the plastic silverware comes in. And yeah. uh, basically what we're going to do, we're going to dump the dice in those in like a tube. And we're going to lay that tube uh, in between the hardcover laminate, not laminate, but matter laminate sides of the yeah. book on top of the pages. But the book won't be able to open because it will have those custom-made plastic hardcover things. Mm-hmm. So you'll get it all in one shipment without having to pay additional stuff. Uh, so that's the goal so far. Um, yeah Uh, but that but that's another thing you got to do fulfillment costs which is usually the cost for packing an item yeah that goes up if you pack additional items that goes up if you pack in additional protection for items which we have the dice are an additional item and the corners are additional protection so that's an additional cost plus you have to pay for the packaging meaning the actual physical thing so you're going to uline and ordering yeah 20,000. Which I, I mean, things, yeah, yeah. I, I did that for base raiders for the autographed copies, and I will never do that again. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, I'd much rather pay a big amount of money to do it. But yeah. um, that's what the backer kit stuff's going to be for. So, like, I cannot possibly in any way, shape, or form anticipate what international shipping is going to be a year from now or whenever we get the book out. Yeah. So, I cannot do that. We're going to have to do it the second the book's ready to go and calculate the cost then and go. Yeah. Um, because if I paid international shipping, the $72,000 are gone now. Yeah. Like, if we just paid that based off what we made, we don't have enough to fulfill the offset run. Yeah. Like, the cost is so enormous. So the, Yeah, no, it, it, international shipping, uh, I mean, the thing is, because the fulfillment house you're looking at has office, has buildings, you know, infrastructure. They're going to bring that price way down. They, they can bring that, they can bundle, like, oh, we have 10 books, you know, that are being shipped to Europe, or 10 titles, so we can put them all in one pallet and ship it yeah. at a cheaper rate or something like that. But even bringing yeah. that down, like, depending on your country... And yeah. depending on international politics and U.S. Congress and yeah. different stuff, the price of shipping could still be bigger than the book. Yeah. And, and there's, but there's literally no way to predict it. And there's literally no way for us to control that. Yeah. And other than what we're already doing. Yeah. And so. the thing is, I know – and one thing some companies do is they subsidize print shipping to a certain degree. Like I saw someone say, oh, we, sh- we subsidize 20% of the shipping. And that's certainly an option to help market to international customers. But on the other hand, that's money that's going to fulfill those customers. And that's not money being spent on the product itself. Yeah. And like, yeah. I mean, you can look at Fred Hicks to see him break all this stuff down. But like when you price at out, Eagle a, Hat, yeah. The, yeah, there's so many budgeting decisions when you're making a game between art and editing and layout yeah. and fulfillment and printing costs and all kind of stuff that – Trying to do shipping and budget that into your Kickstarter as well is too much. Like, you just can't work that big of a variable into something that already has so many moving parts and still expect to do it. So there was, except for the dice, the packing up the dice costs and the shipping the places dice costs, there was nothing in the Red Market's Kickstarter built in that factored in shipping because, like... Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't have enough money to make the book. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that's uh, how it's going so far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then it wrapped up in the last days, and so um, we're on the project management stuff now. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, like I said, we're, I'm helping Cable right now polish up some of the uh, the playtest dra- or the, the beta uh, that's going to be sent out as soon as the money clears. Uh, the fallen flag will be ready. So we're, we're already working on fulfillment. And Yeah, so there's 100,000 words of the yeah. book done. Uh, and already done through the first pass of editing. So 
Um, it depends on how well the polishing goes on the stuff we're working on right now, but yeah. we might be able to give him like pretty clean copy to people uh, in the preview draft uh, because the only thing we haven't done is like the style guide and cutting, yeah. uh, paring stuff down draft yet. Uh, so that's the entire playing Red Markets chapter. Um, you'll get a revised uh, little setting chapter, a lot like the people who got the beta chapter will be. Yeah. I'm still writing that stuff. That hasn't been drafted yet. Uh, and then you'll also get the full playing Red Markets chapter with the D100 tables and everything you need to run the game mm-hmm. for one shot to like lengthy campaign. Um, so the bulk of the book is finished and about half of it's gone through editing already. Yeah. Uh, and it has not substantially changed since Fallen Flag. Uh, no, no, it yeah. is not. So uh, that campaign, there were tweaks I made to yeah. the long campaign system. Yeah, as a result of that, but that was basically uh, uh, a lot of the running the market stuff wasn't written yet because mm-hmm. I wanted, you know, it was really helpful to see somebody else run it too. Yeah, uh, and so that that got written during the Kickstarter, and we're cleaning it up now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, I have it's, already uh, a little under forty three hours, by the way. Yes, uh, <laughs> I've already contracted out thirteen thousand dollars worth of art contracts mm-hmm. at this point. So everyone's working. Like the freelancers are working, and it's a goal of project management. Yeah, everyone's the, the freelancers are drawing. The layout people, Kyle's doing a thing now, so he's writing until he gets layout to do. Yeah, uh, and I'm writing. Laura's writing and editing. You're writing. Yeah. Every, everyone's, you know, all the cogs. Doing a thing. Yeah. So all the cogs are turning. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So the future for Game Designers Workshop, I mean, obviously we'll continue to update on fulfillment and how the post-creation is. It's going to be about scut work. Yeah, scut work. Fulfillment hell. Uh, but we have other games. Well, I have other games. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm working on... Some- I have no other games yeah, until yeah, Red Market. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I am working on a card game. I have an idea for another card game. And then, of course, I have Ruin. Um, so probably the next episode will be after we playtest the, the first of my card games, yeah. which is tentatively called Steel Dracula's Gold, <laughs> uh, about a group. Every player controls a group of peasants, uh, you know, torch torch and pitchfork wielding villagers storming dracula's castle during the morning of course because they're not stupid uh and they're trying to steal as much gold as possible and and kill dracula before he wakes up and you know kills everyone yes uh and so we'll play test that uh certainly i'll have a uh version of that game to play at gen con um and and then i will be giving periodic updates on fulfillment hell yeah uh, and yeah, we'll see. And once I get the kit, yeah, and so I'll probably be doing, yeah, hopefully if Steel Dracula Gold does well, uh, maybe I'll start doing a Kickstarter for that. If not, I have another ideas. You know, I mean, at this point, I just wanted to make sure the game is fun before I like worry about <laughs> kickstarting it. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Is, I mean, I, yeah. after doing this Kickstarter, like, I know we launched the original plan, if you go back to the first episode, was to have the whole thing done and ready to go. Yeah. And I still wish I could have done that. Like, considering the success of the campaign, though, I think the time yeah. was right. No, you, 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 I mean, it's most, like, the thing is, the critical mass of the book is done. Yes. It is playable. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Like, that we did all those playtest iterations before we started. And I, my only regret is I didn't have more crap done before we started. Uh, so, like, that is something we will definitely need to be repeating in future projects is get as much of it done. Well, I think, I know for Ruin, I have it to be, I have it in my mind as a more focused, like a, like a smaller game. Yeah. 
Uh, not that that's saying anything wrong with bread markets. It's just a different scope. No, yeah. I'm stupid. <laughs> You're ambitious. <laughs> You're, One in the same. It's, you know, I, I remember an old episode. I was like, yeah, no, I just took an existing rule system because, woof, that's, <laughs> boy, making a system from scratch. That's a, that's a great goal there. <laughs> uh, there's a reason why I didn't do that for base raiders. Anyways, um, and, and off topic, uh, so somewhat, I'm running a base raiders campaign for the first time. So. Oh yeah. A full fun. campaign. Yeah. Uh, so I love my character. Uh, so I might have some base raiders stuff, uh, coming out for that. Oh yeah. I have a, I, uh, one last plug, uh, base raiders from the underground, uh, PDF, all the, the first nine PDF supplements have been collected into print. You can I wrote death traps. You wrote death traps volume one. And now you'll have time to write death traps volume two at some point. Uh, you wrote part of it. Remember I, yeah, I wrote, yeah, I wrote part. So if you can write a couple more death traps, that'd I be super. More death traps. And then I can finish uh, that. That's the last stretch goal for boiling point. Uh, my Kickstarter. So, uh, <laughs> yep. And I can on, look forward to that sort of timeline. Myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, this has been Game Designers episode, Game Designers Workshop episode thirteen, Kickstarter post mortem. Thank you, everyone. Yay.